Acts chapter 17, Acts chapter 17, Acts chapter 17, we'll begin reading in verse 16, Acts chapter 17, verse 16. With the Lord's help tonight, um, I aim on preaching a message that I've entitled, Witnessing a Change. I struggled with this portion of scripture, and I went over it time and time again, and sifted through a few titles, and I really wanted to narrow down exactly what it was that the Lord wanted me to speak on, and so I took quite a bit of time going through this, and the best title I could give this was Witnessing a Change, and I felt like it was a good title because it encompasses basically all that we're going to cover tonight. I don't intend to just focus on a few points this evening. I intend on helping you understand that we can look at Paul like we look, can look at many people in God's word and see an example that we can follow. And there is a clear example that we can follow through Paul's life on how to be witnesses that witness a change, not just in the lives of those that we witness to, but to witness a change in ourselves. And so with the Lord's help tonight, I aim to help you understand how you can be a witness. I can see a change in yourself, but not just that. See a change in others. Because pastor has this vision of building that family life center. And that's only going to happen if God begins to do a change. And if we avail ourselves to following what God gives us in his word to follow, then we can see a change in ourselves and we can see a change in others. And we will see as God begins to move and work and bring more people into this church and, in fact, make that a possibility. And so with the Lord's help, like I said, I I aim to help us understand how we can be witnesses. I can witness the change. I'm going to pray before we begin. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, I ask that you'd please give me the right words to say. And, Lord, I pray that you would be with each and every one of us here tonight. I pray that we would be able to grasp what it is that you would have us get out of this message. I pray that if anyone has anything on their minds tonight, I pray that you might clear their minds. And Lord, I pray that you might open them to be able to focus on the message this evening. Lord, please help me to be able to say exactly what it is that you would have me say. But as always, I'm so grateful for the opportunities that you give me to preach. Lord, I thank you for this evening, and I thank you for bringing people here safely tonight. Lord, it's in your name I do pray. Amen. If you take your Bibles and you look at Acts chapter 17, and you look at verses 16 through 34, what you find is you find uh, the Apostle Paul doing exactly what he did throughout his entire ministry. What he would do is he would go to different cities, different places, and he would go to the synagogue and He would begin to first start with the Jews, and he began to express to them how Christ had come, and how Christ had died, and how Christ had rose again, and how Christ had fulfilled all of the Old Testament covenants, how Christ had fulfilled all the prophecies that led up to him being born, to living the life he lived, to dying on the cross, and to rising again. And then he would move from the Jews, and then he'd begin to talk to those that we know as Jewish proselytes, those that were making a transition from the world to trying to be a Jew. And then he would make a transition from talking with those people to talking with anyone and everyone he could come across. 
And he would be doing everything within his power to convey to them the gospel. And so what I want to do is I want to look at Paul. And I want us to be able to do exactly what Paul did. When we're at the store, when we're at work with our coworkers, when we go to the beach, whenever we're going somewhere where there are people, and God gives us the opportunity to interact with them, what I want to do tonight is I want you to be able to do exactly what Paul did, to be able to go to those people and reach them with the gospel. But not just that. Paul had this ability, and it came predominantly from his studies and his knowledge, where he could go to any given place, and he would look and he would observe what it was that those people believed. And he would take those things into consideration, and he would compare those things with Scripture, with those things that he knew to be true. And he would begin to convey to them the gospel, but not just that. Why what they believed was wrong. And what they were looking for all along could be found in Christ. And that's exactly what we can find when we go into this portion of Scripture tonight. And so let's look at verse 16. Acts chapter 17 and verse 16. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. I want to hold on to this for just one moment. When you go out into this world and you look at the people that pass you by, what comes to your mind? Do you see people that are lost? Or do you just see someone that you typically see in the store? Are you looking at them and seeing that each and every one of them could possibly die that day? And never having come to know Christ as their Savior? And never having been witnessed to? Or do you just see them as someone else going down the grocery aisle getting what you were wanting to get? Do you look at them as someone in need of the Savior? And it may be that they know Christ, but what is your perception? Because Paul's perception was when he looked at the world, he saw the idolatry in the world, and he saw people in need of Christ. So when you're out and about, are you doing that same thing? When you look at people, are you seeing they desperately need the Savior? And if they've already come to know Christ as their Savior, they may desperately need to talk to you that day. I can't tell you how many times I've heard Christians say over the years, that God brought someone along their path at just the right time to talk to them and to encourage them to continue to follow Christ and to think that you are that person that can do that. I have loved going to the gym, and as soon as God gives me that one little bit of opportunity, I go over and I start talking to that person and to see what God does in that situation. When you begin to do it, you'll see this joy that comes out of it. You'll see this desire to want to go to those people and be like, That'd be like, excuse me, <laughs> to go to them and to begin to share with them the gospel, just like you did with someone else, or if it's a fellow believer, to fellowship with that person. And so before we get into this, I just want to encourage you to have that right perspective, to have that right thinking. Wherever you go, look at those people and see that they are in desperate need of Christ. If not that, then they're in desperate need of encouragement to continue to follow Christ. And so if you go on to Acts chapter 17, you look at verse 17. The Bible says, Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews, and with the devout persons, and in the market daily with them that met with him. 
Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and the Stoics encountered him, and some said, what will this babbler say? Others, some, he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him unto Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine, wherefore thou speakest, is. For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. I look at verse 21 and I'm reminded of today's world. Our world is filled with people who have itching ears to hear the latest news, who have itching ears to hear something and to flip it on its head and to present it as something it's not. If you know anything about the Epicureans and the Stoics, they were philosophers who took great joy in learning and portraying what they knew and debating and conversating with those that they met. So Paul comes along and he begins to preach the gospel. He begins to convey to these people the validity of the Word of God, the validity of the Savior. And as he does so, the Stoics and Epicureans come to him and they begin to question him. Now, they may have tried to act as if they were just questioning him simply because they were inquisitive. That's not why. They were questioning him in an effort to be able to prove him wrong. What does that sound like to you today? Christians so often are almost always on the defense because the world and the devil and everyone, in a sense, that's against Christ always is coming after the Christian, questioning them, asking them, is it true that Christ died on the cross? How can you prove that? How do you know that there is a heaven and a hell? Constantly questioning and constantly asking and constantly trying to disprove what Scripture clearly states. And so you have Paul who's sitting here saying, okay, I'm going to give a clear defense for the faith. And what we know that to be today is basically the first point tonight. We need to be apologists. If we have a desire to truly reach this world for Christ, we need to be apologists. The definition of the word apologist is simply this. A person who makes a defense in speech or writing of a belief or an idea. The Christian apologist is someone who is well-versed in the Scriptures or knows the Scriptures and knows exactly what is to be found in God's Word. And when someone inquires of them or someone questions them, they can give a defense for the faith that is in them. Does that remind you of a verse? Christ said to be ready always to give an account for the faith that is in you. Paul was doing exactly that. And so we have this wonderful opportunity of peering back into history, peering into the life of Paul and seeing this man who truly understood what it meant to be an apologist, to be able to clearly and definitively defend the faith. How do you become an apologist? Because I know that's probably a question in some of your minds. It's simple. First thing, study the Word of God. Plain and simple. 
Yet it seems to be that the most simple things are the things that we pass over. I can't tell you how many times in my own life where I know I ought to, in the morning, get up an extra 30 minutes to get a hold of God's Word and to begin to read the Scripture. So I have a better bearing on what God's Word says. So I have a better bearing on what I ought to do in my walk with Christ. But yet I sleep in for that extra 30 minutes. I had this incident when I was younger, when I was a younger Christian, not very much learned in the faith, where I tried to give an accurate defense of the faith. And the person that I was witnessing to, that person that I was defending the faith to, I couldn't. And then I thought back to all the mornings, all the evenings, all the times in my life where I could have sat down and read God's word and been able to give a more accurate account of the faith that was in me. Listen, I understand it's hard in life. I understand that there are other things that we enjoy doing. I understand that there are things that we do, in a sense, make a priority in our life above God. But if you can, to the best of your ability, every day set in stone in your mind that you're going to make Christ your priority, that you're going to get a hold of his word and you're going to glean from it those things that you're going to need to know so when you witness to people, you can clearly tell them why it is that you believe what you believe. And if anyone that you work with questions you, you can clearly tell them why the Bible is true. I've heard it many times. The more the Bible you read, the more you get into God's word, the more of a changed person you become. Because God's word has this ability to make you into somebody completely new. To make you into someone who used to not be courageous, be courageous and bold for the sake of the gospel. Because you have gotten a hold of God's word and you know what the truth is. You know that outside of the Bible, outside of the infallible word of God, there is no other truth that can stand. And so when you speak to someone, you're not shaking, you're not afraid, you're emboldened because you know that you have the only truth that can stand against anything. God's word has stood, excuse me, the test of time. Every person that has ever tried to prove that Christ did not rise again, any person that has ever tried to prove the Bible false has failed, some of which have even come to know Christ as their Savior in an effort to prove the Bible false. If that doesn't show you the pure truth of the Word of God, the infallibility of the Word of God, I don't know what else will. But that's a wonderful thing, too, because that's an opportunity that you have to be able to go to someone and say, you see this person who despised the Savior, who despised the Word of God, and went after it and tried to disprove it, and they came to understand that Christ is who he says he is? You have that opportunity to use that as an example. The more you get into the Word of God, the more capable you will be in giving a defense for it. There's a second thing. And this one's simple as well. Prioritizing the Lord. I've already talked about it to some degree. But this is the next degree that I want to go into. There are some people who read the Word of God in an effort 
to become what I would call an intellectual. They have a desire for the Word of God, but they have a desire for it because they want to be able to go to people and say, I know all this. Did you know that there are this many verses in the Word of God? Did you know that this verse is in the smack middle? Did you know this, that, there, and the other? They just want to know all the facts. They want to be an intellectual in the Word of God. Because rather than prioritizing God, rather than prioritizing Him and seeing that, listen, I am reading Scripture to better understand my Savior and to be able to give a better account for the faith that is in me, they went to the Scriptures to just glean and know more for themselves. And so might I just give you this word of caution. Go to the Scriptures for the right reason. Ask God to give you that right desire to go to his word, to better know him. Christ came and died on the cross so that each and every one of us would have the opportunity, not just to have eternal life, but that we might be able to have that relationship that was stolen from us, from sin. And to think that the Savior that we can know oh so well is found in this. And having a priority in wanting to know him can really, in a sense, make us just like Paul in being able to go out and to share the gospel and when people question us, give them an accurate answer for their questions and do so without a shadow of a doubt. Now, that's not to say that there's not going to be a time or two in your life where you're going to try your best to give a defense and somebody's pulled up something from some portion of the scripture that you've never read. That's fine. So long as you are actively day by day prioritizing the Savior, prioritizing getting a hold of the Word of God, and prioritizing the loss of this world. Just think for a moment. How many people, statistically speaking, die every day? And then think for a moment the percentage of those that go to hell. And then think about all the Christians that live in this world today that know how to share with them the gospel and how many of them didn't have to. Think about how many of those that are in that statistic are people that you passed by, people that you worked with, family members that you knew, but you couldn't muster up the courage to tell them about Christ. I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm not trying to demean you. I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm not trying to do any of those things. The simple thing that I'm trying to do tonight is do what God has led me to do, and that is to encourage you to know this, that you can read Scripture, and you can prioritize the Savior, and you can get a hold of His Word, and you can better understand who He is, and better witness to people, and better give a defense for the faith that is in you. I want you to leave tonight knowing that you have everything you need in this Word. And that you can do just as much as Paul did, if not more, if you have that priority set on the Savior and on leading the lost to Christ. And so the first thing that we need to understand, if we want to witness a change, not just in our lives, but in the lives of others, is that we need to be apologists like Paul was. Secondly, we need to do something else. And this one is often um, overlooked. We need to be polemicists. This is an interesting word, and it has many interesting definitions. 
The best definition I could find is this. A person who argues in opposition to another. Controversialist. So I'm going to take you back to Scripture, and I want you to observe Paul doing this very thing. If you go to Acts chapter 17 and you look at verse 22, you'll find Paul being a polemicist at this juncture of his, um, really in a sense of his ministry there at Athens. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship him, declare I unto you, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with man's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed, and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. You know what Paul's doing here? He's showing them that he has a keen understanding of what it is that they believe. And he's using that keen understanding of what they believe, showing it to them, and showing them what Scripture says, and how what they believe is false, and how the Word of God is true. Now, if you notice the way he's doing it, He, in a sense, is having a discussion with these gentlemen. He's not having a yelling match. He's not interrupting them. He's not trying to say that everything that they're saying is completely false. He's not dismissing everything altogether. You know what he does? He takes those bits and those pieces of what they believe that are, in a sense, that longing that we all have for what? For salvation, that longing that we all have to know that there is a purpose for us being here, that longing that we all have to know who the God that made us is. And so he goes through and he takes each and every one of those things and he compares those with what he knows to be true, with what God has told him, with what he knows really in a sense from the Old Testament too. And he begins to convey to them why what they believe is false and why what he knows is true. And when he does this, he does it in such a way that it's so plain and simple that they have all that they need to come to know Christ. And he's given them that what opportunity to do what? Make a decision. We as Christians go on a defense more than anything. Paul shows us what we ought to do outside of that defense. Offense. A good offense a solid defense. If we as Christians aren't just standing there defending the faith, 
but in fact, going to those people who believe in other things and asking them, why is it that you believe what you believe? And really getting to understand why they stand on what they stand, why they believe so earnestly what they believe, and then showing them from Scripture with as much compassion as we possibly can the reason as to why they're wrong and the reason as to why the Scripture is right and why they ought to come to know the Savior and why they ought to come to know what God's Word has to say. Being a polemicist is not someone who goes and says, oh, this person's wrong for this, 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 this reason. It's someone who looks at someone they know does not believe in the Savior and believes in something else and goes to them and tries to get an understanding of what it is that they believe and why they believe it and show them why it is that you believe what you believe and letting God's word do the rest. Because God's word is powerful. And it has the ability to go in to reach to those people and to bring them to him. And so not only should we be these apologists who are always on the defense, but we should also be on the offense, going out and reaching these people. There's a second point, and it's the same second point that I had for the first. Prioritize the Lord. My grandfather had a desire to begin to witness to Muslims, and so he did this I would say step-by-step process. The first thing he did is basically what we've talked about, is going to those people and asking them, why is it that you believe what you believe? And so he went to as many Muslims as he came across for a few years and asked them, okay, why is it that you believe what you believe? And they told him, and so he wrote it down. And he compiled a list of why they believed it and what they believed was coming next. And and he went through all these things, and then he said, okay, if I'm really going to be able to reach these people with the gospel, I need to know what their text says. And so after my grandfather had spent a large portion of time ensuring that he was well-rooted in the scriptures, well-rooted in what he knew to be true, he made an endeavor to read the Quran and to better understand what was in that. And the reason as to why he did that was because he didn't want to always be on the defense in relation to those who believe in Islam, believe in Muhammad, believe in Allah. He wanted to be able to go to them and say, listen, I care enough about you to have read what your scripture says and to show you that what it says is false. To show them from scripture how they can know what the truth is. That's something that each and every one of us can do. And that's the next step that I would say that we as Christians ought to take if we are approaching not just the apologetics of the faith, but the polemics of the faith. Not just asking why people believe what they believe, but coming to understand what they believe and being able to, what do we have? A priority for the Savior and being able to always have our focus on the Savior and looking back to that and seeing, okay, why is this wrong? How can I find in Scripture how I can disprove this? How can I find in Scripture how to better understand where this person is coming from? How can I understand from Scripture how to better lead this person to the Savior? That's what it means to be a polemicist, is to go to those people and to bring them in. If we want to see a change in our lives as Christians, we got to get into God's Word. If we want to see a moving of God in this world and lost souls coming to know him and the pews of this church beginning to fill up, 
then we got to be polemicists. We got to be people who are endeavoring to go to those people and ask them, why do you believe what you believe? So often we work with people who are atheists, evolutionists, or they believe in something. But when you question them and you ask them, why is it that they believe? They really don't know. But what does that do? That gives you an inlet, doesn't it? It gives you the opportunity to go to them and say, listen, you aren't well-rooted in what you believe, but I am. Let me show you from Scripture how you can know where you're going when you die. Let me show you from Scripture how you can know what the truth is, and you can begin to witness to that person. And so I just want you to look at Paul, and I want you to see that not only was he an apologist, he was a polemist. He didn't just give an accurate defense of the faith when he witnessed. He went to those people that he was giving a defense to, and he brought them to Christ. And that's what we're going to read next. We're going to read how these two things play together in the Christian's life and how it's those two things that will allow us to begin to see a change in our own life but in the lives of others around us. And so if you find your way back to Acts chapter 17, and if you take a look back at verse 29, we're going to read down to verse 34. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's device. In the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked and others said, we will hear thee again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them Howbeit certain men clave unto him and believed, among the which was Dionysus, Arapagit, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. I want you to look at verse 34 one more time. It says, Howbeit certain men clave unto him and believed. Paul was able to do the three things that we read about in Scripture. Some so some water, and some reap. You have to do all three. If we want to do all three, if we have a desire to bring people to Christ, then we ought to follow his example. Not just giving a defense, but going to these people, getting to understand what they believe, and showing them how it's wrong, and showing them how they can come to know Christ, and how they can believe in something that is true. And so the takeaway for tonight is simply this. Be a witness that witnesses a change. Be a witness that witnesses a change. Are you witnessing to people because you've heard many times that you need to? Or are you witnessing to people for the same reason that Paul did? Because he looked at a world full of sin and saw people by droves, following things that are completely not true. And within him stirred the Spirit to go to those people and to bring them to the Savior. Do you have that same desire 
Do you want to be a witness that witnesses a change? I've said it and I'll say it again. If we want to really see a change in this world, we have to first begin with strengthening ourselves in the scriptures, with strengthening ourselves in our walk with the Savior, and then thereafter beginning to go to this lost world and to really understand why they believe what they believe. There are some people in this world that have been hurt by someone in the church, and they've never darkened the door of a church again because of that. You could be the person that goes to them, and with the joy, really in a sense that we all have, and the blessing that we have, be able to lead the lost to Christ. Try to begin to bring them back to church, to show them that that one small instance, or whatever the case may have been, that they were hurt. Don't focus on that. Focus on the Savior that's able to make that as if it wasn't anything. Focus on the Savior that has the ability to make you whole. Focus on the Savior that wants to bring you to himself. And so I ask you tonight, do you have a desire to be a witness who witnesses a change? Because you are more than capable of doing it. There's no reason that any of you can't. You have to prioritize the Savior and prioritize the lost and begin to do exactly what Paul gave us an example of doing, being a person who gives a defense, someone who goes on the offense, begins to bring those people who are, in a sense, coming after us to Christ.